all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Body of Christ Real Talk. Hola a todos. Bienvenidos a una verdadera charla sobre el cuerpo de Cristo. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Welcome to the show. This is Joseph Brownlee on another episode of Body of Christ Real Talk. Welcome to Real Talk with Joseph Brownlee. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show here in the U.S. of A. as well as around the world. Hello and welcome to Body of Christ Real Talk. Uh, what I want to talk about today is a few announcements that I will be uh, doing coming up uh, in the next few shows. The past shows I've been uh, talking about Christianity and uh, different articles I've been reading and different videos I have been looking at about the church. I've been trying to uh, uh, talk, get, get, and give you some information on Christianity on salvation, on the gospel, and uh, different things like that for the ones that has been uh, keeping up with me on my shows. And I hope you got something out of there, out of the, out of those shows and some teaching. And and I hope you was informed and I hope you shared it. And that's very important that you share uh, these messages that I'm getting out there and everything. If you're not that interested in it yourself, at least, at least share it with someone else that may be interested of hearing the information and uh, what's going on around the world uh, and looking at things from the lens of a believer, of a Christian, and a Bible, biblical perspective, because that's what I do with this show and everything like that. So I try to let everybody see what's going on. Many people uh, here in the USFA, they hear about Jesus through churchism, through Christendom, you know, through uh the, uh, the walls of the church, walls meaning the, uh, the inside of the walls of the church and everything. But a lot of times, a lot of times the church is not teaching, you know, not all churches are not teaching how a lot of things that's happening today is part of the last days or you can uh, use in a way what's going on today and look at it in the lens of a biblical perspective. Now, I'm not saying these things was prophesied uh, by the prophets that it was going to happen this way or whatever like that, you know, you know, individually or in things like that. But I'm just saying what, what's going on today around the world is just a repeat of history. And let me give you, let me give you an example of what I mean. When Satan does his dirty work, 
and a lot of his devices that he used, it's not really different. They're, they're the same type of devices he's been using for thousands of years. The same type of ways, the way he used people, the way he organized things, that does not change when it comes to the enemy, our enemy. And you will not know that unless you look at Satan as being your enemy. You must look at Satan as being your enemy. It's okay to do that. Look at him as being your enemy. And that's one of the ways that will help you in your research and stuff like that and knowing what's going on and how he done things. Now, what I'm going to be uh, talking about in the future is a little uh, conversation I had with my, little, my, my fiance Christina, the other day about, you know, the suppression of Bibles in Spain. I'm not going to talk about that, but that's what that, that conversation is what made me say, okay, I'm going to talk about that a little bit and everything. Because on this show, I really never got into a lot of in-depth about Christendom or, or the history of Christendom. And I try to teach as much as I can as I learn. I teach. As I learn, I teach. I you know, often say that. So when I learn something or I just notice things like that that's, that's going on, I try to uh, give information out to my listeners, you know, whether you're saved or not, because I think the information is important. But believe a believer and an unsaved person takes in information differently. And if a believer takes in a certain information that I'm talking about, or what is information of what's going on around the world, uh, at least they're supposed to, a believer, a true believer looks at it in the lens of a Christian. And they, they decipher it in the lens of a Christian, but an unbeliever does not. They look at it in a worldly way. And they might think about God and stuff like that, but they look at it in an early way, uh, in a worldly way. So their perspective is different. And their future outcome, what can be what can be done about this is different than what a believer will see the outcome. Now, what do I mean by that? Because I'm just speaking for myself because it differs with different believers of the body of Christ. When I hear something happening in the world, you know, uh, bad or good, but mainly we just, let's just uh, talk about something bad or certain incidents or certain things that's going on on around the world. And, uh, that's bothering me or, you know, and, you know, kind of got me in distress or angry or even sad. I, al- I always, not often, but I always look at it, you know, if I'm looking at it in a worldly way, I have to come right back and then I have to just look at it in a biblical way or what's the ending is going to be. And as long as I know what the ending is going to be, it doesn't bother me as much. Sometimes it makes me even more joyful that my time of redemption is close. You understand what I'm saying? So I don't dwell on what we need to do. And if I if I do uh, talk about what we need to do, or even that thought come to my head, is what the church needs to do for us winning souls. 
as well as standing up on, on the thing. You need to stand up in your rights as well. But I'm just saying as when he sows and telling more people about Jesus and the reconciliation that God has done for the world. You, you understand what I'm, saying, what I'm saying? So I look at it as many believers do in uh, a biblical perspective. So we look at it different in the world. The world looks at it uh, in a sense of what we need to do or what we need to do better, or we need to start doing this or that, and, you know, or we need this political move, or we need to uh, vote in this type of person or this thing or whatever. They look at it in a different way. And I'm not saying everybody. I'm just saying the, the world view, when it comes to an ending, some of them give up and just say, well, it's nothing we could do. Or some of them say, it's something man need to do to stop this. And to make our world better, to make our country better and everything like that. So so that's what I mean. It's two different ways the world and a believer look at situations that's going, at least supposed to anyway, for the believer, uh, what's going on and everything around the world. Okay. Now, a lot of the world know a lot about history. You know, a lot about worldly history. You have a lot of scholars and somewhat theologians, when you listen to a scholar and they talk about they talk about historical events, uh, conquerors, uh, dictators, and stuff like that, when you listen to a scholar, whether they are atheist or agnostic or just whatever, when you look at, when you listen to their worldly views, whether they are scholar or scientist or a, a psychologist or whatever, they break down true history. They break down archaeology. They break down things, different things like that, and they look at it in the history of man's way or a humanistic way how they survived. You, you understand what I'm saying? So it's no mention of spiritual things. They look at it in a humanistic way. They don't, it's not a spiritual outcome or, you know, what do I mean by that? It's not a biblical lens that they're looking through. It's a worldly lens, you know, they don't look at it in a biblical lens. So they don't have a future of victory and looking forward to the heavenly places and stuff like that, like a believer does. So that end game is always usually what man has to do to make these things stop and what they must do to make the world or their country better. That's going to be the victory for them. As a believer like myself, the victory is already done. It is already finished. I know what the outcome is going to be because what my Bible says not saying I don't get bothered about what's going on, but I know what the end game is. The unsaved don't. They have. They think there's something they got to do. You, you understand what I'm saying? Same history. Same history, but just looked at two different ways when it comes to the world and, and believers or Christians. We look at it in two different ways, unless this Christian is kind of carnal, but I'm just talking about somebody that understands the Bible. Uh, knows about the end times, you know, knows about the catching away of the church and stuff like that, the second coming. They should, they can't help but look at it as a way, uh, look at it in a way that they know what the ending is because, you know, we're part of that ending when it comes to the word of God. Okay. So, many, uh, 
what I'm going to be talking about. Uh, and, and I was, you know, me and my fiance was talking about, and I was bringing up the Inquisition, the uh, the persecution of Spain and believe it, you know, uh, predominantly dominated by the Catholic Church. And because uh, the popes used to be the uh, the leaders back then, everything was ran by the popes and they had this certain groups uh, team that's called the Inquisition. And the Inquisition, I think, was started by a certain group or leaders that's called the Jesuits. And that goes a long way. And I want to uh, recommend, oh, I want to recommend some documentaries about the history of the Catholic Church. And what you know about the, the what a lot of people know about the Catholic Church today is the sexual uh, illicit sex with children and youngsters and homosexuality that's going on in the church today. And that's evil. That's very evil. But I don't think a lot of people know uh, about the inquisitions, about the persecutions of the church, about the power, and and uh, uh, who's the most one of the powerfulest people on earth today is the Catholic Church, whether you know it or not, is the Catholic Church still today? They behind, they got a lot of power over everything, you know, and uh, <clears throat> good and evil, you know. But they had a very evil past as well. They had an upbringing, the way they done things in the Catholic Church. Now, you go all the way back from Rome. Let's just look at Rome. Now, this is just an introduction, a little, little cliff note I'm giving you, introduction. And, you know, about Rome. Rome under Constantine actually birthed the papacy, the popes and stuff like that under uh, Emperor Constantine, which many believers thought he was a Christian. And his background, what he done, he was not a Christian. That's going back to Christian and name again. Remember I talked about the last few shows about, you know, people uh, use Christian name Christian loosely. There was a lot of uh, these dictators or leaders used the name of Christianity for their own evil and good. So many believers thought Constantine was a Christian, even myself in my young Christian walk, because I watched his movie played by Cornell Wilde called, uh, what was the name of it? Constantine at the Cross. Yeah, Constantine at the Cross. And there was the history that I had on that is what somebody told me, that Constantine was the first Roman that was a Christian, and he rescued the Christian church. I found out later that... Uh, what was his real agenda what's, and, and different things like that laid on down the line, you know, which I'm not going to get on to. But my point is, it's a lot of people in the past that we was told were Christians. Uh, let's talk about a few of them. Using the name Christian. Now, the Reformation. Uh, for the ones that don't know too much of Reformation, that's just that it would just say that it was at a uh, uh, the the Reformation was the uh, the first group of people, you know, mainly started by Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, but Martin Luther, the uh, the German monk, back in the what the fifteen fifteen hundreds and stuff like that. They are known as the. Uh, the Reformation, the birth of the Reformation, they're also known as, back then, 
the, uh, the, the movement, the beginning of the Protestants. Protestants mean protest. What Protestant means, those were the ones that protested against the evil doings of the Catholic Church. They protested against it, so they started a revelation, a, a reformation, which some people will call today like a, 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 a resolution. A revolution, but they, it, they, it was a reformation they started through uh, Martin Luther and a lot of other the others back then. It started before there with uh, John Wycliffe and then uh, William Tisdale. Uh, Tisdale was the one martyred, burned, you know, with fire and stake and stuff like that. But all of that, even the times of Jonah Ark and, and stuff like that, all of that, they was killed or martyred in the name of Christianity. You, you see what I'm saying? Okay. The ones that was killed was prosecuted because first of all, they was distributing in the Bible, you know, which was forbidden to do uh, uh, by Rome, by the papacy, by the popes. It was forbidden. So they got, they was got, they got, uh, they started these certain groups like the Inquisition team, the big, uh, dangerous, evil court team, or oh, they so evil, court team called the Inquisition or Inquisitors, and then the Jesuits, and then you have the black popes. Black popes as he, this pope he saw was wearing black, not because he's a black person or ethnicity, ain't got nothing to do with his skin color. You know, it's just his role, he wore a black suit. Most popes wear white, right? This pope wore black to signify what he was about. So they called him the Black Pope because he wore a black robe. Well, anyway, uh, a lot of, of the Christians got persecuted, you know, hunting down like dogs and pigs because of their faith and what they believe what the Bible was saying. See, the, the Catholic Church didn't, did not want them to hear about the Bible was being saved was by faith alone, which that teaching comes from no one but the Apostle Paul. And then come back, Peter. Nobody, but the history will have you think Peter and everybody was preaching that, but no, only one person came with that type of teaching, and it was revealed to him. And the mystery it was the Apostle Paul. So, faith alone is a teaching from the Apostle Paul, not Peter. Now, they did not, they teach, they teach works, which was the majority of the Catholic Church teach said, and they added a lot of man made traditions to it and made it evil. You see what I'm saying. So they wasn't persecuting uh, these uh, reformers because they was preaching the kingdom or they was preaching, you know, somewhat worse. They, they, they persecuted them, you know, because they was preaching that uh, you could be saved by faith alone, not by works, because the Catholic Church was all about you have to do something, you have to work, so you got to submit to them. You understand what I'm saying? So they took the kingdom program the way I see it, and they just twisted it up, twistianity, and they made it so man-made, mixed up, like a lot of churches today. And they just kind of mixed it up together, and they persecuted the church. See? Okay, you think about that. Who was the puppet master? Satan. Satan done the same thing back in the times of Rome under Nero, under Caligula, under which are the uh, the old Caesars when they used to be called Caesars then before the popes. Under the Caesars then, Satan used the same type of strategies to persecute the church in the name of Christianity. 
we all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat. Or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Now, they didn't want, they knew what these so-called Christ-like people was believed, even in the days of, I think, when Paul got beheaded, he was, uh, Nero was the, uh, I believe Nero was the Caesar then, Nero. Nero was a monster. He had a lot of them burnt by the stake and ate up by lions. They had them in games and fighting and different things like that, you know. And uh, you remember the movie uh, Gladiator? And uh, Russell Crowe played, uh, I forgot his name, but he was a Spaniard from Spain. You know, all of it's fictional, but in real life, a lot of that stuff happened. They had gladiators. They had all that stuff back then. But who was running the show? Rome. So even back then, Satan used the same strategy, the same strategy. Okay, a world, the world, unbelievers know about that history. They know the same uh, evilness. They know the same atrocities that happened back then. They know about their history, but they look at it different than a believer looks at it. Like I said, we look at it in a biblical view. They look at it in a religious view. They know about Christianity and they know about in a religious view. They know about that. And so they explain it the best way they can. They might say those Christians. They wouldn't say a Christian, like personal for themselves. They would say Christians got persecuted or whatever like that. They even go to the point of calling Constantine and all of them Christians. A believer knowing Constantine was not a Christian. You see what I'm saying? We know these so-called people that call themselves Christians was not a Christian. And I believe that's why one also one of the reasons a lot of them with the name Christian get bad names because what people, the evil doings, what a lot of leaders done in the name of Christianity. So Christianity got a real bad name. That's why a lot of Muslims, uh, they always go there. Talk about y'all talking about the Muslims. Look at what all that evilness the Christians done. Look all that killing Christians done. Blah 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 blah. A lot of times they talk about that because people done things in the name of Christianity. See, and like I said, because they called themselves Christians doesn't not mean that they was believer, that they was of the faith of the body of Christ. So uh, uh, Christianity itself has a bad name. You know, because people done things in the name of Christianity. Many people say think Gandhi. Now, I'm not saying Gandhi was evil, was a Christian, and he was not. Many people think Mother Teresa 
was a Christian. I don't believe she was. She was part of the good works. She she done things in the name of Mary and her Catholics and all that stuff. You know, you, you see what I'm saying? It's a lot of history that we grew up on, believe in certain people, saints and evil people, was part of Christianity, and they weren't Christian. Not saying they wasn't decent people, but they was not really Christian. They done good works in the name of Christianity because they thought that was the way Christians are supposed to do. All right? So what I want to start doing, and I think a lot of us believers, we need to learn uh, our history. What do I mean by that? The history of Christianity period, beyond the teachers of the Gospels, beyond the teachers of the Apostle Paul when he got beheaded, him and Peter. What happened after the last Marty or the last one died, the Apostle John? I think he, he died. He died. I forgot what year. But what happened after that? Because Christianity, that name did not stop. That name did not stop. What happened in the you know, the uh, after Paul and them, all the apostles died out. What happened? There is a history on that. You have different scholars knows about a lot of those histories. You have scholars like Josephus and Augustine. You have a lot of different scholars that knows about, you know, some of the things that's not in the Bible because the Bible was finished and complete. This is what happened when all the apostles were gone. What happened with Christianity then? Those stories are in history. Those stories, and most believers in the church don't even know nothing about that. We are stuck on today. Okay, how did the first Bible come? Many people think the King James Bible, including myself, used to think was the first English Bible. So a lot of people talk about the King James Bible, the King James Bible. They don't know there was five Bibles before the King James. I want to get into those Bibles. I want to talk about that. There was five Bibles before the King James. Many people don't know the history of what these people went through trying to get the word of God out. They were slaughtered. Nothing. We can't even comprehend what people went through to try to get the word back, word of God out. The same type of style back in Paul's and Peter's them days when they got persecuted were trying to get the word out and the truth out. And a lot of times they was persecuted from their own brethren, which is the Jews. Paul was persecuted by both Jews and Gentiles, but for the same reason, trying to get the word of God out. See? Satan also uh, masterminded in a way to keep the big people think that Peter and Paul, they all had the same message, but they did not have the same message, but they both got persecuted, killed for, uh, they, they got killed for the same person that they was talking about was Jesus, but their message was different, but both of them was about Jesus. One was about him being the Messiah, and one was about him dying for your sins. That's the difference between Peter and Paul. But they both still got martyred and killed because of who? So no matter who taught what, and it was not the same, they got persecuted because of Jesus, the belief of Jesus. Even the Catholic Church persecuted them. So that might sound a little confusing to the ears uh, to the ones that's not believers listening to me. 
But it's like history. It's in history books. It's in libraries, the Inquisitions, the Jesuits, the past history of the Catholic Church, which apologize for their, their, their atrocities of the Inquisition and all the ones they murdered. They apologize under, I believe, under Pope John the third or fourth. They apologized in 1998. Waited that long for the church as the four walls of the church to apologize for all the evil they have, they have done or persecuted the church. They, they, this is how crazy it is. In the name, they persecuted and killed believers, Christians, in the name of Christianity. Let me say this again. They murdered and persecuted Christians in the name of Christianity. You see what I'm saying? They are they 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 were self-made Christians. So that's been going on for years, self-made Christians. They wasn't part of the body of Christ. They wasn't part of the church. They was not even part of the kingdom church. They were self-made Christians. So they persecuted Christians in the name of God. See? So when they brought in their man-made traditions, Satan got a hold to it and just pulled gas on the fire. And they became just evil and wicked. See? They became so powerful, they became narcissistic, they became arrogant, and they became, to the point, demonic. They became so bad that the people, they, they, they start calling themselves fathers. That's where their name father comes from. You know, purgatory. You have to come in there and confess your sins to them. They're the only ones who can bring your confession to God. All that type of stuff started with that. I am God. I am the father. I am the one that's, it's beyond them saying Peter was the first pope. You know, it went beyond that. Well, anyway, there's a history of that. Back day, back all the way back in the biblical days, a couple of thousand years, even before Jesus came to uh, on the earth, you had the power of Rome. See, you always had that, that type of history. Now, even before Rome, you had certain, they used it the same way you go from Egypt, when Egypt had the power. And Assyria. All those nations used the same type of method. Slavery, domination, dictatorship. Gods. They are gods. So that's what I mean, like I started off in the beginning, history repeats itself if you pay attention. What What's going on today it's been going on thousands of years ago. Satan been using the same tactics. Why would he change anything that's been working for thousands of years? There's always uh, a beginning to something. And they usually always start out like they're here to help you. 
They're here to make you better. They might give you freebies. They might tell you, they might do this for you, how they're going to make your area, country better, or whatever like that. They all, when you go through history, I don't care what history it is or what country, they didn't come up. You know, most of them didn't come up. You know, you had some that had to, just went on 10 or something because they could do it. But when they had a big uh, hurdle to cross, they had to start off soft. Like they was your friend, you know. Like they they start giving you things. They start they start off good, and so they can win your trust. See, so uh, so they can win your trust. And once you start trusting them and start believing believing in them, they know they can get you. They start out and they start bringing people in. That cycle went on. It's been going on for thousands of years. It's nothing new. History repeats itself. When you go back and you start looking at the past dictators, the past world leaders, same thing. The same, most of the same way it started. And who's under all of it? Satan. Satan. You go to Nigeria and all that stuff, how they're persecuting the Christians there? The same tactics. Total dominance. You see what's trying to go on today? Same thing. They try to, they win you with things. They win you with good orators, good speakers and stuff like that. And especially here in America, America's for a country this powerful, we are so gullible. We trust so easy. We as an America, I'm not talking about me, myself, or you, but as America, as a nation, we trust things and leaders so easily. We forget evil so fast. How you know that, Joe? Look how many times, look how long Democrats have been in Chicago, even though they never done nothing too much. And people still vote for them, especially the blacks. And forget that the evil and that that street still got potholes. The crime is worse than it ever been. You still have the same thing, even worse going on, and but they still vote for them. You, you understand what I'm saying? They forget the evil that they done. A lot of blacks woke up now, maybe more than any other black since his last election, but the still, you're going to have a heavy 65 or 70% of blacks still vote for a Democrat. It, it, it never failed. That's how a lot of countries went down. Then they got to the point that, you know, your voting don't mean nothing because all they got to do is steal elections now. As long as they get enough people in power, they get not only the governors and the, uh, the mayors, but they get the they didn't have the, the legislators. Then they have the little aldermen, and you know the uh, just voting regular don't mean nothing no more today now because they just fix it and they just steal the election because they got everybody in power. See, give you an example: Trump. Trump is dominating anybody that run against him. Nobody, I don't care who it is, Pence, DeSantis, you know, uh, Nick Haley, I forgot the other guy from South Carolina, the black guy. Uh, they, they don't have nothing against Trump when it comes to winning a Republican office. He would dominate. He would dominate any Democrat that go against him. Trump will win, hands down. He will win. That's what makes him dangerous. He will win. 
But knowing those poll numbers and knowing the dominance you get don't mean nothing if you have the election already fixed. You see what I'm saying? Just like 2020. If the election is already fixed, the numbers don't. That's why Biden them and all of them don't have to debate. That's why this woman in Arizona, she didn't she didn't debate Carrie Lake because they already had it set up to be fixed. So they can have, they don't have to debate none of that. Whoever heard of a politician never debate and still win the election? It's fixed. So no matter what, until they fix that system, Trump is not going to win. That's why they're trying to lock them up. That's, to, they, that's why they're coming with some bogus indictments and stuff like that. Why the, the president that's running the show now is the one that's supposed to be indicted because he's a straight out evil, dirty president. But no, they're prosecuting church, uh, Trump for one reason. They don't want him to be the president. Okay, I'm not here to talk about Trump or nothing like that, but I'm just talking about uh, systems, the way Satan does things. Okay? The way he does things. All right. We have a system. And we have an issue as the church, the body of Christ. We have a problem. And it's been that problem also since thousands of years. Knowing what the inherited word of God is. What is the gospel of salvation for today? What gospel saves today? What Bible should we be reading? What translation? should the church be reading that they can call the inerrant word of God? Do you know? Do you know? What Bible you think you should be reading? Not what nobody else said, but what do you know what Bible you should be reading? If you do know, okay, I'm going to ask you another question. Why you think you should be reading that certain Bible and certain translation? What makes you think that that is the word of God and that's the Bible you should be reading? Do you know the history of your Bible? Let me ask that again. Whatever Bible or whatever translation you are reading, do you know? And this is just a fair question. Okay, I'm trying to be I'm trying to be fair. I'm going to leave you to do this yourself. If you have a Bible and you have a translation, there's many translations out there. You want me to name a few? I would do that. You have the King James. You have the New King James. You have the NIV. You have the American Standard Version. Version. You have the NSAB, NSSB. You have the Living Bible. You have the New Living Bible. You have this Bible called the Message. You have many other Bibles that I can't get all the acronyms with out there. You have the Amplified Version, which is one of Charles Stanley's favorites. You have many translations out there that claims to be the Word of God. Correct? Which one do you read and why? 
if you know the why, if you know the why you read it, only you know the why. Why do you read it and you don't read the other ones? Why do you read the NIV, but you don't read the American Standard? Why do you read the American Standard, but you don't read the King James Version? Why do you read the King James Version, but you don't read the New King James Version? We can go all day with this. What is the main reason? Is it for if you feel comfortable reading it or you can relate to it more? What is your reason? Okay, if you know your reason, do you know the history of that Bible that you read? Do you know the history of it? Do you know the writers? Do you know why it was written? Do you know the uh, uh, the details why that Bible was written? Most of you don't, because I didn't. I didn't. Most of us did don't didn't know why we read certain uh, uh, translations. But I said to myself, and I said this later, I said to myself, the Bibles that mainly that I know about, I don't know, it's so many, I'm not going to try to get into every translation, but I already know about the NIV. I know about the history about that. That's why I call it wicked. And and that's mainly the only one I really call wicked because I know more about the history of the NIV. The, the, uh, where they got a lot of their, you know, scripts and stuff from, you know, stuff like that. Why, how it was birthed. You know, I already know about the NIV. A lot of the other translations I don't, but I can, I'm going to find out. I'm going to find out the other Bible that I've been reading, the Living Bible, why the Living Bible was developed. It got to be, it got to be more than just uh, thought for thought, which is paraphrasing. What's the history of the Living Bible? What's the history of the Amplified Bible? What's the history of the uh, American Standard Bible? I, re- I know somewhat of the history of the Catholic Bible, which they use, I think, the American Standard and some other version. I got to look into that. But if they use it, I know it's wicked. Even though it might sound good, I know they use it for one reason. They use it for one reason. And you say, how you know that, Joe? Just go back to their past. Why? Okay, let's talk about this right quick. And this is just my introduction. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday there's only one road into key west but you won't believe where it can take you travel back in time to a city rich with history discover amazing artists and musicians taste seafood fresh off the boat or just kick back and soak up the island vibe for more about key west visit flakeys.com key west close to perfect far from normal there's there was five uh, books, English books, 
in the English language, the old English language, before the King James Bible. Starting at, I think, 1300s, 1342 or something like that. Uh, don't worry about the numbers because I'm going to do uh, a little, I'm going to get those numbers for you. But I know the first one was in 1300. It was the Whitecliffe Bible. See, it wasn't fully completed, but it was a White, uh, Whitecliffe Bible. That was the first translated, you know, from Greek and Hebrew language was the Whitecliffe Bible, the first translated in the English language, the original Old English. This is a story about the American English. We, we don't speak the, the, the real English. We, we, did you know that? No. We, we, are the, we are the children of England. We are the youngest country. So our language are from everywhere. It's not the right, correct English. The language back then is the correct English. Did you know that? Well, you know that now. Well, anyway, the Old English language birthing, you know, back then from Hebrew, Greek and Hebrew uh, was Whitecliffe. And I'm going to get into later who Whitecliffe was. He was that Wycliffe, rather, uh, John Wycliffe. And he was, a, that was the first Bible, John Wycliffe. Got persecuted the same way, the first Bible, because it went against the, the Latin Vulgate Bible of Rome. But he still used some of the texts and the Latin Vulgate of the Roman Catholic because that was the Bible of Bibles then, you, you know, because of the popes and all that, the, the Latin Vulgate and stuff like that. But it had a lot of, I believe it had a lot of traditional man-made things in it too. Whitecliffe was the first English Bible, okay? Then after Whitecliffe, <coughs> you had Tisdale. William Tisdale. He was the first one that I think finished the New Testament in English because they was fighting to get the word of God in the English language because it was only in Latin, the Latin Vulgate. You understand what I'm saying? That they came from Hebrew and all that stuff. And the, Catholic, the Catholics and the Popes was against that, the Roman church. So, you know, this is what it was all about. It's a lot of history about that. And I'm going to tell you a few documentaries. I, I think the church ought to know about Christianity's history after the Apostle Paul then went away. There is another history. It's not in the Bible, but it is another history. Uh, so, William, so uh, John Wycliffe, William Tisdale, finished the New Testament. Then after that one, do you have, uh, uh, what's his name? Miles Coberlin. Miles Coberlin. I believe his name is Miles Coberlin. I think his came out about this, a little bit out a couple of years. Tisdale's came out in 1530-something. His came out a couple of years later, 1500-something. Uh, Miles Coberdale. He, he, each Bible was translated in a sense that it was a little more added to it. Nothing man-made added. No, I'm not saying that, but they just kind of, you know, freshened it up and cleaned it up a little bit. Each Bible going forward. So you had Wycliffe, you had Tisdale, you had Coberdale. Then after that, you had the Matthew Bible. Then after the Matthew Bible came the Great Bible, the Big Bible, the Great Bible. Okay. The Great Bible, then after the Great Bible, you came, a lot of you probably heard about the Geneva Bible. 
The, all, the last three came in about 1500 or something. Geneva was the last. All of them was good English Bibles. And of course, 1611, the last one was the King James Bible. The most sought after popular Bible still today. The NIV is catching up, but the King James Bible. So you had five Bibles before the King James Bible. I did not know that until I searched and started searching and understanding that because I want to find out. See, you could look up this stuff yourself. You can AI it, you can Google it, and it will come up with the same things. And I think a lot of believers need to know that, that the King James wasn't the first translated English Bible. It was perfected more than the other five. See? Now, even in the King James Bible, Check this out, which I didn't know about. Even in the King James Bible, there was uh, some books up in there that the, the scholars, the ones that was translated, decided to take it out because they were somewhat almost unknown. They wasn't really in it. And the other transcripts, files of the, uh, the papyrus and stuff like that, if you can call it like that. But I, I, I like the documentary talk about it itself. But it was like a, quite a few group of them was tucking out, and they was put into the Apocrypha. See? And that's, that's how the Apocrypha was created with these certain individuals on their definition of what happened in the Bible or, or stuff like that. But it, the uh, the scholars, all of them took those five out. Not because they was wrong or whatever like that. It's just they didn't have no, they felt they didn't have no type of authority. And it was kind of like a no names. They didn't know where to put them. So they put them out. And it's something what, and uh, that's how the apocrypha was formed. It's very interesting, man. This stuff will blow you away when you find out what the Bible the word of God had to go through, had the work these people put in to perfect God's word correctly, keeping it safe from all the enemy and all the dots and devices in the scheme Satan was throwing at it using the Roman Catholic Church that only used the Latin Roman Vulgate translation. So from when, uh, from a uh, Wycliffe, all the way down to the Geneva Bible, and uh, the church was persecuted because the Roman Catholic Church did not want that translation out. They, they didn't want it in no other language. They, 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 they didn't, most definitely didn't want it in the English language. See? But Tyndale, uh, I think Wycliffe really wrote it so more than people can have it, but he wanted them to really understand it, what the Bible was saying, and not depend on the the uh, Latin Vulgate from the Roman and Papacy Church. Uh, Tyndale uh, was the same way. He was uh, a scholar. He was also a theologian. He knew Greek. He knew Hebrew. He knew Latin. So he was a bad boy. He knew all of that. So a lot of emphasis, most of the Bibles, after Tyndale's Bible, they got most of their stuff from William Tyndale, even all the way up to the Geneva Bible. A lot of their texts and stuff uh, was from Tyndale's Bible. 
okay? Well, Tyndale's Bible, you know, before it got to the King James, then it was fulfilled in the King James. But even the King James got 85% of its text. 85% of his text from the William Tyndale Bible, the King James. Did you know that? Well, y'all know it now. But the, most of the literature and text came from the William Tyndale Bible, you know, the Matthew Bible, the Great Bible. The reason they called it the Great Bible because it was a very large Bible. The Bibles was big in that time. You know, they had to shrink it up to try to sneak it around later on down the line. But the, the Great Bible was uh, called the Great Bible for one reason. It was just a big, giant, big, gigantic Bible. You know how some old family Bibles look today? It was bigger than that. And you can find a lot of those Bibles in the libraries, the history of the Bible, and also the Gothic type of writing, the way they walk, the dark Gothic, dark Gothic is like a dark look. That's how the Landis ones, and they was weird, man. You think you have a problem with the King James today, which is revised? Just look at, look at the old, the original copies of the copies, because nobody got the original King James 1611. Nobody has that. They all, it's just copies today. I think most King James is the 1700 or something, you know, came out. Uh, well, let me see the man got there. What do, what do man got here? Uh, is it on here? But I think it's like most of King Jimmy, we are reading are the 1700 and something version. It's not the 1611. You know, if you had the 1611, you wouldn't even understand it because that's how weird the uh, original old English language was. The writing, the upside down words and stuff like that. You think Hebrew was kind of weird looking at Hebrew letters? Just think about the old English uh, old English uh, language. And then those Bibles back then did not have uh, verses. They didn't use verses. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday to those who visit mickey d's for their favorite breakfast item and then go somewhere else for coffee give this mickey d's brew a second chance the glow up was real try any size iced coffee brewed with 100 arabica beans for just 99 cents until 11 a.m and pair it with a savory sausage mcmuffin with egg for 279 prices and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. See, the first verse about verse Bible, I believe, I think it was the Geneva Bible or the uh, the great, I think it was Geneva, the first one, started using verses. And I think that was by mistake because something skipped and he just noticed. It's, it's a story to that. But verses was not used in the earlier Bibles. It was just straight through, like a one story, straight through. So you had to try to figure it out. When the end, when the stop was the period, and while you know, all the quotation, you didn't have all that stuff, so it, it was even tougher then. So, just imagine looking at the King James, got periods, it got question marks, got punctuations, it got parentheses, it got stuff like that. Now, so it was always a change on each English Bible. You understand what I'm saying? So, we are blessed 
we are blessed. And I have no doubt that the Spirit of God led these scholars all the way through this. See, through this. And I check this out. God even used people that wasn't even saved. Wasn't even saved to get his word out. Could you believe that? Wasn't even saved. I have no doubt. To get his word out. See, so many people don't know the history or the story of the church after the church of the Bible. You see what I'm saying? Because there's no Bible. The Bible was finished. Paul fulfilled the last of the writings of the Bible. The Bible was finished, complete. 66 was complete. Everything else after the Bible, people don't even know too much about the history you know, you a lot of you probably heard of the history, but it wasn't from a a, a, a Christian or a, a someone's part of the church perspective. It was more like a religion perspective, you know. But you get a better understanding when you hear a, a believer, a Christian, talk about the history because they're going to talk talk about it in a lens and a biblical perspective. It's different than an unsaved or atheist or agnostic or person that's religious. Is just he just a, has a master in religiosity. That don't mean he's a Christian or a believer. He just has a master in religiosity. It's a difference because they don't understand the spiritual aspects of everything like a believer does. See, so you will go. You will learn a lot from them, but it's nothing like. Getting the getting the understanding in the spiritual aspect of things like that. Okay, now that's just the history of the King James Bible. The Inquisitions, the Jesuits, the Black Popes. Remember the Black Popes as in his clothing, not ethnicity. And the different positions of the popes and what the popes really believe of. A lot of them believe that they was God. That's why they gave them names of Father and all that stuff like that. They basically just believe that they was God. See? And many people submitted to that. So the uh, Roman Catholic Church has a very dark, dark history. You, you think about the dark ages and stuff like that when the Christians and Muslims warned against each other and everything like that. Remember the name Christianity. There was wars. There was fighting in the name of Christianity. You see what I'm saying? In the name of Christianity. So that's why I said the Christian name is used loosely. That's why I said Christians was killing them and whatever like that. You had Christians calling themselves Christians or Christians leaders and fighters. People find it hard to believe. Now check this out. Let me give you an example. King David. Did he kill anybody? Did King David kill anybody? Now, I ain't say murdered him, but did he kill anybody? If you are honest with yourself, you ought to know that. He killed thousands. Remember that song? Saul killed his thousands. David killed his ten thousands. David killed many people. In the name of God. In the name of God. The only difference is, 
it was ordained by God to wipe them people out and kill them. You, you see where I'm going? Samson killed thousands by himself, even some with the ass of a jack, a jackass. The ass is an ass. I don't mean you're cussing. It's just a jackass. Samson. You look at the judges. Gideon and all them. Wiped out nations. You see what I'm saying? Wiped out nations. In the name of a believer. I ain't saying Christianity because there wasn't no Christians there. Uh-oh, Joe, you see why I went there? Because many people today that want to poke holes at the Bible, they will say, well, there was Christians out there killing people. Look what all of them they've done in the past. Had God wiped nations out and used. It was Christians killing all the time. Thousands of years before Jesus came on the scene, God used men and some women of God, Deborah and all of them, to wipe out nations, to wipe out individuals. Not in the name of Christianity. There was no Christianity. It wasn't in the name of Christianity. You, you got to keep the Bible in perspective. It wasn't in the name. You got to know, okay, what time, what dispensation that was. In the name of Christianity, no, it was not. There was no Christians. But some people look at the Bible, even some Christians look at the Bible and the patriarch days and call them Christians. They were not Christians. You, you, you follow what I'm saying? That's why you, how could you ignore the different ways that God worked with people in the Bible? And if you are honest, and this also depends on your translation, I'm going to get back to that. It also depends on your translation of the Bible, of what wording is your translation using. And I believe a lot of the translation used Christian for a lot of things. I don't know. I don't look at a lot of them. I know I look at the living Bible. And I could see the word Christian. Remember, the, the name Christian was only used three times in the Bible period. Peter used it. Paul, uh, I mean, King Agrippa used it when he said Paul trying to persuade him to be a Christian. And then they talked about Christian itself. Christians, Luke used it. The one that Luke wrote the book of Acts as well as the book of Luke, he used it when uh the ones of the way of the believers was transitioning to Paul's teaching and they started calling Paul's teachers those Christians, which mean Christ-like. See? So it wasn't Paul or God or God talking through, through Jesus telling Paul, okay, you are Christians now. But God allowed that name, but it was not from God, it was from the enemy or someone making fun of calling them Christ followers. And that, and that name they used loosely every since. Even until, until Peter's and Paul's death, the name Christian became rampant after their death. And that's all you heard was Christian and Christianity. Religious people was calling themselves Christians. Constantine knew about the names of the Christian, so he called himself a Christian. Because that was, they was known by their names. Back then, people are known by their names, the Jesuits, for what they do. 
the Paul, you had a group of people called the Paulinians. What is the Paulinians? Those are one who believes in it, the teachings of the Apostle Paul. They was called Paulinians. You had all kind of different groups called, but you knew them by their name. If you knew who, what, if somebody said, okay, that's, that person over there is Herodian. You know why they call them Herodian, which is a group of people, you know, just trying to overthrow Rome. Herodians is short for Herod, King Herod the Great. But they was called Herodians. You had different names in the Bible, the Jubasites, the Edomites. They was part of a country or they was part of a group. So you always had group names. Christians is one of them, a group name. They didn't call them believers. They didn't call them the church or the body of Christ. They called them Christians. So there was the Bible is full of names of groups of people. Even going into the future, John Calvin, the Calvinist movement. Let's talk about dispensation. You know, you go, you go to uh, Darby and C.I. Schofield. They call them dispensationalists. After Paul mentioned dispensation three times, so they call them dispensationalist kind of people. Then you got the Pentecostal movement. They call them Pentecostals. You got the Baptist movement on the John the Baptist. You call them Baptist movies. You understand? You know, there's many groups with different names. There's many groups with different names, and a lot of them, most of them, are not believers. Part of the body of Christ, I mean. They are just Christian in name. You, you understand what I'm saying? So don't get that confused. Don't get that confused. So nah, I ain't let you get away with that. Think about the uh, the Bible that you read, why you read the Bible, and what translation. Even if it's the King James, I'm, I'm not I'm not exiting uh, out no Bible. Well, what Bible you read and why? And do you know the history of the Bible? And if you don't know the history of the Bible, why don't you search it? Research. Now, I'm going to give you a little something that you don't do. Do some unbiased research. Don't go to your church and ask them to tell you about the history of your translation. Because they're going to be more favoritism towards what you're reading. So they're not going to really get to the bad parts if there's any bad parts. See, I'm being fair. You do your research on an unbiased research. Look for some history. Google certain things and look at the history of why it was started. Because if you Google a certain translation and Google is for that translation, it's not going to tell you too much negative about it. But if it's fair... We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday for the ones who get it done the most important part is the one you need now and the best partner is the one who can deliver that's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust granger because we have professional grade supplies for every industry even hard to find products and we have same day pickup and next day delivery on most orders but most importantly we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running call click or just stop by granger for the ones 
who get it done. And non-bias is going to tell you the good and the bad of the history or what somebody accused these writers of doing it for. With different reviews and stuff like that, you're going to find all kind of stuff. You just want to know why it why what started it. You're going to get most of it is going to be uh, an alternative or a better explanation to replace the King James. Most of them. Because they don't think the King James is an inherited word of God. I do. But you might not. It's okay. I do. And I have a reason for that. And I have more of a reason when I look at the history of the King James Bible. No other Bible has a history like the King James Bible, not even a Wycliffe Bible, Wycliffe Bible, not the Tisdale Bible, not the Big, the Great Bible, not the Geneva Bible, not the Matthew Bible. They have a history, and it's very interesting because they're the first English Bibles, you know, but nothing has a history like the King James Bible. Maybe because it was authorized by a king. I don't know. Why come it can't be because it was really fulfilled and authorized by God that this is the Bible of Bibles, translations. And all there was the word of God. But it was, it's almost like the King James Bible fulfilled and fullness the word of God because all over 70, I believe, scholars really dug into it and get this thing to get this thing right. Like I said, 85% of it uh, of text, you know, came from the, uh, the William Tisdale Bible. But the scholars got together and they really put their heads together. And they these are Greek and Hebrew. I kept saying Latin in my other podcast. I apologize for that. But these are Greek and Hebrew masters and scholars that really looked at that and really got into it. You know, really, you know, that's how they went as far as knowing it's the Antioch and stuff like that. You know, uh, they went into it and really got it together and, and even before it was printed and everything. So that's why at the time, the King James. Now, Geneva was still an important Bible and everything like that, but a lot of these Bibles was rejected because either by style, either by, because a lot of them have beautiful pictures and styles and stuff like that, so different people and leaders rejected some of the English Bibles for even reasons like that. See? So, but after the King James Bible, after the King James Bible, you know, it became the most popular Bible, period. And it still is today. By name. Not by publication, but by name. Because they're trying to take it out. They're trying to stop them. You go to some places, you can't really, you go to a lot of bookstores, you can't hardly find the King James Bible. I know that by experience. You find a lot of other translations more than the King James Bible. Once upon a time, you know, 25, 30 years ago or so like that, you couldn't, you couldn't help but run into the King James Bible. But today, they got to try to appease everybody's belief of what they was going to make them feel good. So you have all type of different type of translations. Now, who's the number one out there today now? The most dirtiest Bible out there, I believe, the NIV. Hmm, what a coincidence. And I believe that started by two corrupt men didn't even believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. The other one didn't believe that in the miracles of Jesus Christ. Those are the fathers of the NIV, and that's one of the top Bibles today. Huh, what a coincidence. 
Did y'all know about that history? You won't know until you search it. Until you search it. That's what I'm going to be talking about. And I gave you a long little hint right there. But I, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm going to, and I know I'm a, I'm a, but I'm going to recommend some documentaries. And you can Google these things on you, young YouTube them. That, that shoot right up. Uh, docu, all you got to do is YouTube Inquisition. There's different types of Inquisition. The main ones that will come up with this, is the Spanish Inquisition. You can find out this stuff yourself. Google or YouTube the Black Popes. YouTube the history and the evilness of the Pope like you would do anything. If you want to know about Christmas and all this stuff, you can do the same thing. That is going to come up. See? Look for the history of the King James Bible, unbiased. The history of the King James Bible. Look up what was the first uh, English translated Bible. Even you could use AI that finds it faster. It's going to say the same thing I'm saying. I get my information the same way. And I do, I, I, I look at everybody else's, I, I, I type in different things. I use different programs so I don't be stuck on one. So I can educate myself. See? When I look at the history of the Bibles in general, the English Bible, see, it makes my thinking and my mind more broader. And why the King James is one of the most hated today, still today. And I know why now. Because I believe that's the inherent word of God. They don't persecute, not make, a lot of churches don't persecute the NIV and stuff like that unless they are a King James Bible reader and they know some history about the King James. You got to know some history about it. You just can't say, man, I don't like that translation. King James is the Bible, Bible. If you don't know no history to back it up, you ain't got to know everything, but you know the history. Where was the first English Bible and why was the King James made for what? And stuff like that. So uh, it's good to know that. So you can have some backup and some follow-up to go with your claim that King James is the Bible of Bibles. See? You see what I'm saying? Okay, you do that book the same with your Bible. If it's the NIV, if it's the Living Bible, it's the NSAB, it's the American Standard, it's whatever translation, you need to know the history about that Bible before you just call it the Bible, a Bible is the Word of God. Because anything you're taking out of the Word of God it ceases to become the word of God. You might have some doubt about the manuscripts or whatever like that, you know, and which is dangerous. I'd rather leave it in there to take it out. Okay, let me say this again. I'd rather, if I'm not agreeing with it or if this scholar said it's not supposed to be in there without no proof or the Hebrew said this or the Greek said this or this, this Mark 16 and 16 is really not in the uh, manuscripts and stuff like that. Okay, you do better just leaving it in there. Don't just take it on your own to take it out. Just leave it in there. You walking in a dangerous line when you start messing around with something. God wrote the King James Bible translation. If he, if it was put in there and that was the last English Bible that was made, I know what well, we back then, you know, sixteen eleven, and it was kept there. And all of a sudden, they start taking certain things out. I think you're walking over the slippery slope then with these new translations. You know, so you're walking over slippery slope. That's the way I look at it. 
And I believe when you start doing that, it ceases to become the word of God. That's why a lot of translations sound so watered down when it comes to the deity of Christ. Why you got to take this off or why you got to cut a set or why you might have 36 and then you don't have 37. It jumps out of 38 and then you put footnotes or no footnotes. See, that stuff is dangerous. That's why I cannot do a lot of translations. That's why I can't do them. And I, I have more trust in the King James Bible more and more once I learn about the histories. Okay. I know about the history of the NIV. The, why well, a lot of the NIVs uh, people <clears throat> got their beliefs and stuff from the NIV. <clears throat> or a lot of other translations I don't. I didn't really try to get into that. But that's how much I'm just kind of not with the translations. I'm not knocking nobody that do, but I'm not just with the, I think the King James is enough for me. I'm, I'm, I, I, have learned, I have learned to love the King James Bible, man. Not the Bible itself, but you know, the words in there seems like it's just more authority. And it's really helping me grow more than any other translation that I did read. I just don't uh, get the authority from other translations, okay? All right. That's the little thing I want to talk about. You know, I'm going to be uh, off and on about uh, the Bible, what Bible you read, uh, the authorities of the words of the Bible, and I'm going to be reading some things off. I'm going to get into the history, and I'm going to have, uh, and you can find this stuff yourself before I get it. I'd rather you did the years of the Bible, the history of the English Bible, I'm going to look in the history of all this, the history of dispensationalism. And I'm going to admit, which I don't like sometimes, I think they use the name dispensational loosely. These days has been used loosely too much as well. It almost sounds like a denomination now. And that bothers me because they wear the name out. You got this dispensation, mid-axe, then you got the 28ers, then you got the ultra, then you got the hybrid. And then they sound like denominations, just like Calvinism now, man. And name, dispensationalism. I want to put a right perspective why Paul used it in a certain way. Let's, let's keep it why Paul used it. Why did Paul use it? Why is he the only one that used it that way? That I don't know. But Paul used it for a particular reason. He didn't want us to make no denomination about it or call ourselves dispensationalists. That's why he's rightly dividing the word of God more than dispensation. But it's important to us to learn the history of what our so-called church believe in, whether it's Pentecostal, whether it's apostolic, universal, find out the history why your church believe what they believe as well as why you read the certain translation of the Bible you read. You will be shocked and surprised. And some of y'all probably dropped that Bible or dropped that church when you learn the true history why things started, because there is a history. Things just don't come up. And a majority of the churches are not ordained by God. God is not in these churches. Most of you are in a church that's not ordained by God if they're not teaching the inherent word of God, inherent word of God. God is not there. The Holy Spirit is not there. There's something you need to be thinking about. I ain't trying to scare you. 
I'm just trying to give you awareness. Today, you do better not going to no church or building. You need to start a church yourself as a rightly divider. People ask me today, what church you go to? I don't go to no church building. I believe when we are the church, I don't, I'm not saying I'm against going to a church gathering because I'm most definitely not. I like gathering in church buildings. But most of the churches today do not teach the word rightly divided. And I, I don't have the stomach for it no more. So that's what I do what I do now. I say, okay, I just do little group sessions. And then when a pandemic came, I started doing this, podcasting. Thank God for that. So I reach more people as well. I don't have to be under no membership. I don't have to be under none of that. Worry about them talking about tithing and baptism and water. I ain't got to be under none of that conditional law stuff. See, I know better now. Real talk. Real talk. Body of Christ, real talk. Until next time. And for the ones that just got saved or for the believers that's walk, uh, listening to this right now, I have another show called uh, Connecting the Dots, which is a straight-out Bible study or Bible teaching uh, show podcast. If you are saved for the believers, please uh, check that out for me. You know, check that podcast. It's called Connecting the Dots. You uh, find it on Spotify. It used to be Anchor, but you can call it on Spotify. Now, Spotify Podcast. Spotify Podcast, which is free, unless you want to pay for a premium. But it is free. Spotify Podcast. Look for Connecting the Dots by Joseph Brownlee. If you are saved, it's for the saved that's in part of the body of Christ so you can grow in the knowledge of uh, knowledge of God, you know, so you become stronger in the things of God. And I'm doing a teaching on the book of Colossians right now that uh, that can help you grow in the things of God. The book of Colossians that I'm doing a teaching on, but it's a lot of other good teaching on connecting the dots. So if you're interested in that, uh, check out that. Plus, I have other resources I can show you, like Truth Time Radio, Les Feldy, uh, Grace Ambassadors. It's it's a lot of. It's just not about me. I'm not like that. I'm not. I'm not the Long Ranger. I believe in, you know, introducing people to my brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, like Marianne Manley, she has a little thing. She's not a pastor. She knows her position. She knows women pastors is not. She knows that. So don't get freaked out when I say this one. But she is a good teacher. She writes good books and stuff like that. She's worth listening to. Marianne Manley, lady of woman of God. Of, I love her. Woman of God in church out of San Diego. And there's many out there that's rightly dividing God's word. That's not trying to claim to be no pastor or not like that. They know Paul's teachings. They know their position. Okay. And the things of God, they're not trying to be over no man or under no man. They just trying to rightly divide God's word. Okay. So get off that church denomination as well. So even some grace teachers, you know, it's okay. But anyway, Connecting the dots, you know, connecting the dots. Check that out. You'll get a lot of Bible teaching and stuff like that or whatever. Okay. God bless you all. Salvation is today. For the ones that's not been saved, you have a chance to be saved. The way to be saved, I'm going to make it simple. It's about, it's about your belief. Your belief in, not only about your belief. It's not your belief in faith. It's belief in a person. Who's that person? Jesus Christ. Believe in him about what? Or what he done for us. Dying on the cross, buried, and rose again. Simple as that. You just believe in that. It's not hard. The gospel is not hard. The problem is just believing it.
The gospel itself is not hard. It's just believing it. Truly, genuinely believing it. And you will be saved. Has nothing to do with your sins. Your sins has already been dealt with. That's how, that's how come you got a chance to be saved because your sins has already been dealt with on the cross. And I'm going to talk about that again. I'm going to keep putting that out there because many believers still have a hard time with that. Okay. All right. I love you all. God bless you all. Body of Christ, real talk, real talk for today. And it's these things I'm going to be doing more elaborating on and talking on. Okay. God bless you all. Love you all. Until next time, remember this. And I messed up the last time my podcast. I made an error. And I'm going to do some error. I'm going to flip over my tongue sometimes. Even when I go back, which I do and check out my own show, I see the mistakes that I made. Some is not worth changing, but I try to correct it. Or I might put a little note. And I'm going to do that more on the opening. So make sure you use, you read <clears throat> what the show is about before you turn it on. So, and I might have something down there to tell you, okay, I'm correcting myself on this. You know, if I do that, you know, so you can know. You won't have to be going back and saying, well, he was wrong about that. He messed up on that because I slipped at the tongue. A lot of us do. Even the best people, best of them do that. So when I was saying, you know, about forgiveness and salvation, I just said you could be saved. I meant you can be saved because because your sins are forgiven. That's not automatic salvation. It might sound like that when I said the last podcast. But you would know I'm not saying that when you go to my previous podcasts. I make myself very plain. I say it over and over. Some people probably get tired of me repeating myself a lot, but I think repetitions is very important when you're trying to get somebody to understand something. See, you have to tell them again. You have to keep reminding them so they can know where you're coming from. You see what I'm saying? So I apologize for that. If you notice that, that is okay. All right. All right. You can be saved now. The reason you can be saved now, because your sins have been forgiven over 2,000 years ago. When Jesus said it is finished, he was saying it is complete. What is complete? The penalty of sin for the world, not just for saved people, for the world. It's complete. That's been dealt with 2,000 years ago. I can't keep saying it, but I will. Some people still ain't getting it or don't want to believe it because of their traditional teaching. That's why you could be saved now. If it weren't for that, you couldn't. If your sins was not clean, and if God was still charging you with sins, you would be right back under the law, and most of us would be destined to go to hell because we can't fulfill it if he didn't take care of the sins first. Did you ever think about it that way? If he got to be about you just repenting of your sins, you'll never make it because you can't do it. You cannot do it. No man can do that. You can't even stop your sins. How you going to fool God? He had to deal with that first because he know you can't do it. And if you think you can, that shows a narcissistic arrogance of you. Thinking you can do it. You have to repent and uh, and repent and do this and try to follow the Ten Commandments. Come on, get off that. No man can follow the Ten Commandments. Nobody. That's why he had to take care of the sins because he knew that was impossible for me and you to do it. That's why you can be saved because of what he done. That's how God was able to reconcile himself back to you because of what Jesus done. Now, you could be reconciled back to God just believing it. 
Love y'all. Peace out. Let's out, baby. know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions and it's because that occasional shave really hurts it's the time of year for big occasions and yet there he is suffering with that cheap drugstore razor let's help him out henson shavings line of razors built with aerospace precision deliver a smooth shave your dad brother and even son can enjoy eventually with replacement blades just 10 cents each you'll buy it once and they'll use it for life how's that for the perfect gift Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday.